You're listening to Tony Mark with The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. I have a very special guest in studio with me today. His name is Barry Averich. Barry is a partner in BTA Advertising in Toronto, and... Um, he has a very long, long history, uh, a storied history, I, I may say. It, uh, Barry has done just about everything there is to do in the entertainment field. Uh, not only he is uh, a partner in, in, in BTA and the, the, the work that they do in the city, most people would, um, would recognize it not knowing who he is. But um, Barry's a film producer and a director. And you would think that uh, that's enough. Uh, those two things alone would say a lot about a person. But he's also an author. He's also a philanthropist. He also produces uh, iconic television um, uh, shows in Canada. He does just about everything there is to do. And um, I have him as my special guest today because... As you know, in in the past, I've explained explained the the wellness umbrella, and that wellness umbrella, I try to find people not only uh, in the business community or the fitness community, but um, all around to make sure that we know that no matter who you are, you could be part of the wellness umbrella. And Barry. Um, Welcome to the studio with that long, long uh, uh, intro. I'd like to welcome you to um, the Art of Wellness. Well, I guess to you, the Art of Wellness is is making your guests walk 14 flights up to the studio. Uh, and I guess that's part of the process of, of, of as you're conditioning to come here uh, and, and no elevator and 14 flights. By the time you get here, you've either had a heart attack uh, or, or it's another day, but, but I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you, Barry. You know, there are some preconditions to, um, to being on the show. And uh, if you can't walk up the stairs, you, you just can't appear on the show. So it's, uh, it's the least a- diverse uh, <laughs> uh, policy I've ever heard. Okay, thanks, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand this. This gentleman, he um, he has the 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 darkest of humor. Um, Barry will make you laugh and cry all at the same time. So it's um, you're in for a treat today, Barry. Um, I wanted to to uh, help you. Um, I wanted you to help me yeah. um, understand how, based on all the things that you do. You know, you're, you've you've done so many things in the entertainment field, um, and we'll go into some of the, the the your film history. You've you've produced and directed over twenty documentaries in the past. You've won ton of uh, a ton of awards, um, but yet you still find time to 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 make fitness a priority. How do you go about doing that? Well, I mean, I don't know where the DNA comes from. I mean, my my father taught me early on, uh, and I didn't have him for a long time in my life, but, but uh, he taught me early on that, um, that you can decide to be the background or the foreground, uh, and it's much better to be the foreground in life, which meant that get busy, stay busy, uh, and, uh, and just you know always ensure that you finish anything you've started, and that's been my MO. Now, my father was not a healthy man. Uh, he was uh, very heavy. Uh, he's, he's, he lived uh, a dolce vita. Uh, and so that made me very nervous, and he died young. So I've, I've sort of, part of my alchemy has been insane amount of work. I sleep four hours a night. I, I've got a lot of projects on the go, always have. Uh, but part of the alchemy has to be the fitness. 
because you, you, I'm just panicked about dying early. I never believed I'd live to 50. So that's part of a, a reason of looking at an extraordinarily long resume has been the fact that I've had to cram everything in because uh, I thought I'd die. So uh, fitness is part of it. It's not perfect. Um, it's, it's not uh, the ideal. I'm not a fanatic, uh, and I never will be, but there's a balance. It, um, it's quite interesting because um, it, so far on the show, I've had a number of guests and, and it, it, it shows that it doesn't matter who you are. And it, it also shows that, um, you know, I, I want people to understand that there are different motivations behind, uh, behind fitness. You just mentioned your father, you mentioned the health history and so on. Um, it's it, it, it can be uh, just about anything that uh, that motivates you, and and that's a very important part of it. I think you have to be realistic in setting your goals. I, you know, anybody who does anything to the extreme when it comes to fitness, there's just no. It's my point of view and how it's worked for me. You cannot sustain the perfection and the ideal of perfection. It takes discipline, but if you go at it at a hundred miles an hour. There's, there's only one option, and it's to crash. I think you have to find the right balance and fitness of what works for you and what's realistic. Uh, and, and I, you know, you can, it's the old Woody Allen line. I mean, you know, somebody walks out and gets hit by a car, and they're the most fit person in the world. So I think you find the right uh, formula uh, of work, uh, pleasure, uh, and, and fitness. I mean, the great Quincy Jones, who I'm working on a project with now, said to me that the formula in life is to love, live, laugh and give back. And I try to do all of that. I mean, so fitness is, it's not, wasn't in his lexicon or his formula, but you know, I push that in there. That that's part of your lexicon. That's uh, that's part of your your yes. your formula for success. Oh, and Barry, now, how do you find um, a, a time where, like, how many days a week are you working out? And you know, you mentioned working uh, or sleeping four hours a day. I, I know how that is, uh, and and how you feel afterwards. But you seem to to come in energetic and 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 have still have a good workout. Do you? Um, is that just the, the way you? are the way you're built i th- maybe i mean you know my my mother um god bless her is the same way she never required a lot of sleep i don't require a lot of sleep i feel that if i'm going to walk into the building to work out then you know you're going to bring it it sounds cliched but you know i i'm there for that hour to work out so i you know you asked about my regime i mean you know i've always have that that uh, tony mark on my shoulder if i'm walking into a restaurant or just thinking about what i can and can't do i have my vices you know them uh but i'm i'm in the gym um if not with uh some uh assistance uh in training but i'm in the gym three days a week uh and uh and and so if i'm away on holidays sometimes more because you just sort of you get there uh and i need i'm different there's some people that are motivated and the minute they walk in get it done i need the help of making sure that somebody kicks my ass for that hour, and uh, and I, you know, and I feel, uh, you know, mentally satiated after that hour. It's it's incredible because uh, Barry and I have uh, uh, some history, and uh, I can I can tell you that when he is in the gym, he does bring it. 
you know, he, he works incredibly hard. Um, he tries to, to always outdo his, his last session. Um, everyone needs a kick in the ass once in a while, but, uh, when he comes in, he, he works and he, he listens to advice. He takes advice. As he said, you know, he has his own vices, but, um, I'm on him, uh, uh trying to make sure that, uh, he sticks to the, the straight and narrow most of the time. But, uh, it, one of the things that I like about, um, about Barry is that, you know, as he said before, no one is perfect. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, to draw that relationship between uh, 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 someone who's uh, uh, you're looking at them in a magazine thinking you have to be like them or someone like Barry who is real, someone who who comes in, you know, that he works really hard. You know, he has very little time to do it. He also has his 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 eating uh, 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 those little vices that uh, that uh, <laughs> kind of takes him off track. But then he gets back on track and he, he sticks to it. So, you know, I appreciate that about him. It's um, anybody who wants to 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 come in and, and and work hard, whether it's in the gym or outside the gym. You know, we he's I've seen him in in different um, different venues and you know uh, putting on different um, different shows and so on. And he always there's always a lot of food around. There's always a lot of uh, uh, things that can cause you to stray, but um, he he sticks to it most of the time. And I think that's what makes him real because you know it's um, it, it's very hard to be discipline when when you're when you're like that I think you know you have to enjoy life I'm not when I first started working out with you uh, and you know and I I went at it and I you know when I was having at lunch I'd have you know sli- three slices of turkey and a piece of lettuce and I'd go home and have grapes and fruit and I lost a tremendous amount of weight uh, and but I was not happy so I think you have to find the balance uh, of what it is, which is, you know, to, you have your cheat days, you have your moments. As long as there's the balance of fitness in there, then it works. Other people have a different, you know, metabolism. Other people have a different ideal when it comes to fitness, and they're they're just so good all the time. One of my closest friends is a an absolute fanatic when it comes to body fat and his weight. Well, great. I don't want to leave the earth with a a lighter casket so everybody's happy. I want to leave the earth happy that I've had my moments where I could indulge and and moments where you have to pay the piper and work out. That's the balance that I want. Why would I not enjoy the nectar of life? When it, I can have it. it well, it's um, the, 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 those words, um, everyone should listen and, and take them to heart because uh, they do mean a lot. And I think, you know, it's uh, a, a balance is, is, a, is a great, um, uh, a, a great way to put it because, you know, it's the name of my club also that, mm. um, you know, I want people to getting, to get balance out of life. It, it's not just, uh, it, you cannot be extreme, uh, but that balance, what, what I look for is that work-life balance that you know if you're if you're you're in better shape you think clearer you 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 can actually absorb a lot more um, than than if you weren't in shape you you tend to to handle stress a lot better you know with all the things you do that must be part of uh, uh, what you get out sure of it. it is I thrive on stress I mean you know it, I think it's it's part of it it keeps your the blood pumping uh, and and I think the the lesson people in my uh, in my world have to learn, especially when it, when it comes to the word balance, people worry about, you know, you're, you, you have a family, you have a family, I have a family, spending time. And I learned the lesson really early on that, it, that it's about uh, quality, not quantity. So you can beat yourself up and saying, all right, fine, I'm not going to be the guy that's home at 530 
and tucking everybody into bed at nine o'clock and all that. It's, it's just not going to happen every day. So if you develop within your own personal life those quality relationships with, with the people that depend on you, then they're not waiting at the door. I mean, where the hell is he? And when he's not here, it's, it's the quality of time that you spend and nurturing those relationships. The minute anybody's keeping score, it's game over. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, those words, as I said before, you should um, really listen to them and, and take them to heart because this is a man who's lived in and, and done it all. Um, I'd like to take a, a minute break and then come back with Barry Averich and discuss a, a little bit of, of Hollywood uh, so he can give you some of the insights and, and background to, to his life and what's going on. Uh, thank you for tuning in to The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. Our very special guest today, Barry Averich. Uh, I wanted to, to segment uh, away uh, a little bit uh, to something uh, because we had. I was trying to get Barry into the studio a few weeks back because the Toronto Film Festival was on. And Barry has, has been working um, with the Toronto Film Festival for years and years. He's a, a very integral part of it. Um, I'm not sure if anyone, uh, it's, it's an international uh, film festival, as you know. And um, it, it, it's probably the second uh, uh, most uh, uh, um, um, uh, viewing. Uh, I'm going to um, correct you uh, there, if I may. I mean, the uh, Toronto Film Festival is the, now the largest the film largest. festival in the world. Okay. Uh, it, uh, uh, second to Cannes in pedigree and prestige. Uh, but uh, it is the largest attended uh, you know, uh, uh, film festival in the world. Uh, this 40th is, year. This is someone that uh, that would know the numbers because he's uh, he's been part of it for so long. And um, Barry, you've you've won some uh, prestigious awards in in the past for your your films. What what got you into films in the first place? I think telling stories. I you know I always uh, uh, like telling a story, as you know. I like seeing how people react to them. I like making them laugh. I like surprising them. I like shocking them. I I, I wanted to be in film uh, from the age of eight, uh, and was reading you know uh, Hollywood trade papers at the age of seven or eight, and and discussing box office grosses with my family. I had no idea what I was talking about, but I, I loved that notion. I I was told early on that I would most likely not succeed in Canada because at the time the film industry was so small and you had the, you know, you had the National Film Board and so I, I was never going to make a film about the gestation period of the beaver uh, and that generally was the kind of stuff they're doing. Obviously, the National Film Board's progressed to being a wonderful uh, film entity for, for the government but I, I, I felt that I needed to tell stories that were way more commercial and, uh, and therefore segued into documentary filmmaking and uh, and all kinds of other film and television that I now produce but uh, I I love the business of telling stories with uh, your first film Barry the, it, was it a, a a monumental task even though it was a, a documentary or was it uh, did you know what you were doing or a lot of it was uh, was uh, working on the fly um well I mean my first documentary my fir my first film I made when I was in college, uh, growing up in Montreal, and it was a uh, uh, a film called Models. It was a short film specifically about 
two women in school I wanted to meet, two beautiful women. Uh, and I figured, well, there's no other way I'm going to get to meet them other than saying, hey, I have a film camera and I want to make a movie and put you in them. So that was my first film uh, called Models, where, where one beautiful model kills another out of a rage of jealousy. Uh, and we shot it at a friend's house and I created special effects, blood and knives. And uh, that was my first film. Um, and that was quite something. Moving beyond that, my first documentary film was a film that I made called Unforgettable, where I've always been attracted to older people for their wisdom. And so I went and interviewed people in their 80s, 90s, and 100s as, as the millennium was approaching uh, and, and asked people that, but for their advice. I didn't know much about making a film, but keep in mind, I, I had seen thousands of them, so I understood pacing. I came from the world of, of advertising. I was leading a parallel life in advertising, so I understood pacing and timing. So that was my first film that I made called unforgettable that's an interesting story the um you know you're talking about uh, being attracted to um to an older um older group of people and so on i'm a, I'm a history buff and um you made a film on um winston churchill mm -hmm. and um, i watched it very very um closely it was it was such an incredible film uh, is it was he one of your heroes or, or what 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 made you decide to well, use the, him well the opposite i mean i generally my films have been stories about uh entertainment people hollywood figures moguls have been sort of my uh my uh stock and trade in terms of making films the kind of stuff that I'm well known for the the Churchill film was a complete departure for me I I was approached by an, a literary agent who represented Sir Martin Gilbert who was was Churchill's official biographer and one of the great Churchillians in the world who who, who uh, wrote about Churchill exhaustively and he he wrote a book about Churchill and the and the literary agent who represented Sir Martin Gilbert said why don't we make a documentary about this? And I said, I don't, I don't know anything about Winston Churchill other than the fact that it's an exit on the 401. I don't really know <laughs> Churchill. I mean, I've heard of him. I know him to be one of the great leaders of the free world. And they said, well, that's why you're the perfect guy to do it because it's not going to be uh, um, steeped in um, historical fact that people aren't going to necessarily understand. So I said, let me go and meet Sir Martin in London. And I flew down and I met him and he was so accessible and he was open to the way I was going to tell the story based on his book. And it was one of the great experiences of my life because I, I, I didn't think I can do it. I didn't think I had the intellectual capacity to make a film about Churchill. Uh, and it took me to amazing places, Oxford University, to interview the great Margaret Macmillan, one of the great historians in the world, and Blenheim Palace where Churchill lived, and uh, the House of Commons, that were the temporary House of Commons that was set up during the World War II bombing where Churchill gave his great speeches. Uh, it was a wonderful film and one of my great achievements in my brain for me because I, I just never believe I can get so close to that topic without being an idiot and I managed to get close to it. Well, I, I can attest to that. It was such a, a great um, great you. documentary. You did a, an incredible job on that. Um, your, your great friend, Eddie Greenspan, um, you know, may he rest in peace. Um, I met Eddie in a couple of occasions and, and um, one of the films that, um, that you did um, was on Harvey Weinstein. And I remember uh, at the premiere of that film, uh, Eddie had a, a, a few things to say. Um, 
when he was uh, presenting the the, the film, mm-hmm. and um, you know one of the the the, the lines I remembered that uh, Weinstein called you and and he said that don't make this fucking film because you'll never work in this town again, and you went uh, you went you know true Barry Average fashion you you went along and you you made the you made the film. Uh, what was that experience like with you being threatened by such a, a huge Hollywood uh, uh, mogul and uh, still going on to, to making a great film. Well, I'll, to give your listeners some context, uh, which w- would be something I'd expect from you or maybe not, I think to who is Harvey Weinstein? I mean, Harvey Weinstein, probably one of the most powerful, uh, uh, well-known entertainment brands in the world. He, he started a, a studio called Miramax, which you know launched everybody from... Uh, uh, Benicio del Toro to Quentin Tarantino to Guillermo uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez e- everybody uh, who made great films Cinema Paradiso Sex Lies and Videotape I can go on and on The King's Speech uh, Harvey Weinstein was the epicenter of Hollywood and I felt that in my sort of box set of mogul films that I had to cover Harvey I had uh, handled the marketing for his films in Canada for many years and, and, and I announced to the New York Times one day that I was going to make this film about Harvey Weinstein and their headline was New York Times, uh, uh, filmmaker attempts to climb Mount Weinstein. Uh, and everybody predicted a great fall because Harvey's got a lot of power and a lot of people who agreed to be in the film said they would and didn't and on and on. And, uh, and a very close friend of mine said, look, who had worked with Harvey for many years, you're going to try to make this film. Three things are going to happen. He'll try to be extraordinarily charming, which he was. Uh, he will, if that doesn't work, he will then try to buy the film from you. Uh, and he tried to do that. And then uh, he will, if that doesn't work, he'll try to swing a baseball bat at your head. And and that never happened. I mean, I, I still keep in touch with Harvey to this day. I mean, I made the film. It was very complex to make a film about Harvey Weinstein when you're uh, alive and powerful, when you're a man who's used to what we call final cut and controlling every aspect, every frame of the film. Uh, and he couldn't control it. And he was, I think, impressed that I got it done. But at the same time, he was committed to shutting it down. So... The film had its premiere, uh, or I should say I, I finished it during the Toronto Film Festival in 2012 or something like that. And uh, a bunch of people came to see me from, uh, from IFC Films, which stands for Independent Film Channel. And it's important you remember that, IFC. They came to see me. They said, we, we're, we're in love with this idea that you've made this film. I said, great. And they said, can we see it? I screened it for them. And they said thinking that it's independent film channel. I said, yes, I screened it for them. And they offered me a lot of money for the movie, more than I'd ever been, more than I've ever been offered for a documentary in in some 25 or 30 of them. And I uh, hastily accepted the offer. I signed the agreement on the hood of a Ferrari, not mine, outside the Bel Air Cafe in, in, uh, in uh, or Sassafras, sorry, what they call it now. I'm dating myself. And in, in, in the, the <laughs> in hood Yorkville. Of, in Yorkville, the corner of Yorkville and, and uh, Bel Air, uh, and uh, um, or Cumberland and Bel Air. And and I, I signed the deal, and and they made a big announcement about me, about selling the film. I was very excited about that until I realized that IFC is owned by the Dolan family, who who own Madison Square Gardens, and are also great friends of Harvey's. So what Harvey did was have them buy the film and take it out. So it got its release in Canada. IFC, I then began major battles with them. They'd say, well, you got to cut this. And Harvey, you know, you can't do this. And I go, but you're the independent film channel. What what do you give a shit about? Oh, no, 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 no. It's got to change this. So they re-edited the film and released it in a platform, uh, on a platform, on a digital platform at the time 
which um, no one knew how to find the film. And so you'd have to have a St. Bernard with a major keg of rum to go through the <laughs> Antarctic to find this movie. And, you know, and Harvey got his last laugh. Uh, I did screen it uh, in New York and a couple of NYU and a couple of different screenings. But uh, years later, I, I ran into Harvey in, in, at the Cannes Film Festival, a famous uh, hotel called Hotel de Cap. And we were all out in the patio and, 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 uh, and somebody took pleasure in saying, hey, Harvey, this is Barry Averich, and, and Harvey, he knew who I was. He said, oh, I heard you made a good film about me. And I said, well, my cut is better. <laughs> and that was the end of that. But you learned. I mean, you know, that's okay. Yeah, and and I love that story. It's um, you know, it's just a little bit more about uh, about that film. And when, after you screened it, uh, I guess the 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 King's Speech was the the big movie huge. that was being made yeah, that year, and your film ended with you know the you know, the caption uh, um, you know something like uh, what's yet to come or something like that, and it went on to win the Academy Award. Yeah, that and, year. and in fact, Harvey. Um, uh, this was before my film was released. Harvey had invited me to Los Angeles to to have a meeting about me not making the film. And uh, we met on a Saturday morning at a hotel in Beverly Hills. And he, um, uh, this was Saturday, the day before the Oscars. And, uh, and he was trying to talk me out of it and whatnot. And, uh, and he said, look, think about it. And I said, I'll think about it, but I'm making the film. And we laughed and and he uh, and he said, "Why don't you come to my uh, Oscar party at the famous Chateau Marmont the next day after the Oscars?" And of course, he won the King's Speech Awards. And I went to the Chateau Marmont, and it was a very private, small party. Quentin Tarantino was there, Harvey Weinstein's mother was there, his, you know, his his wife, his kids. And I walked into the Chateau Marmont, and Harvey was not there yet, and and I felt so out of place because it was a private party, and I was not part of his world. I was making a film about it, but I wasn't part of that world. So I, I, Harvey showed up and said hello, and he had Oscars with the Oscars with him, and I left immediately. I just didn't feel comfortable because I knew I was going ahead to make the film. So I felt I was kind of betraying him by being at the private party with his mother. It's um, yeah, but uh, Barry, the, the film uh, that you made, and I, I think everyone should see this film because it, it didn't. It gave a pretty balanced uh, uh, view of Harvey. It didn't. It didn't um, uh, uh, show him uh, as just a, 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 the the dominating oh, person. It's not I, the films a, I make. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it was a very balanced film, uh, and it showed you know the fact that it was extraordinarily powerful. It was his way. Uh, or the highway, and you know, but he made. I said this was a man, much like all of my documentaries. The, everybody has great flaws, uh, and and uh, my job is to sort of show you the good and the bad, and you make up your own mind as somebody who wants this, you know, who watches the film. Uh, for your listeners, I mean, the film. If you're listening in the in the states, good luck in trying to find the film. If you're in Canada, then you can go to Rogers on Demand. It's there. It's called Unauthorized. Uh, thank you for that, Barry. Uh, we're going to take another short break um, with Barry Averich on the Art of Wellness. Um, I'm going to uh, segue a little bit uh, away from, from Hollywood, um, Barry, as I call him, and, um, and uh, get you to, to into a little bit of a different, um, different world of Barry that not, not too many people know, which is his philanthropic um, uh, things that Barry's always involved in. And uh, this is why I find this guy so incredible interesting because he covers it all. We'll be right back on The Art of Wellness with Barry Avich and Tony Mark.
This is Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto, Canada. Check us out on Twitter, at the Peach Gallery. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Art of Wellness on peachradio.com. Uh, we're here with uh, Barry Averich, and I, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit uh, about w- the other things that Barry, um, uh, that Barry does. It's not, um, you know, so far you've gotten the picture of this is a, a very, very busy guy, you know, from, from working in advertising and, and working with some of the biggest clients in the country, um, you know, little clients like America. American Express and and um, and the, the Canadian Opera Company and um, the Stratford Festival and and so on. Barry has done just about everything, um, but uh, he's also very philanthropic. Uh, very Barry built uh, um, a theater in in world renowned Toronto Sick Kids Hospital, and you know I, I I look at different things when I you know when I invite people onto the show, and that drew me in uh, quite a bit. Um, Barry, what gave you that idea? I know it's you know it's it's in your business, but it's just this is a, a sick kids hospital. This is completely away from Hollywood. What gave you that idea? I I was I went to visit somebody in the hospital, uh, not sick kids, but a different hospital, and and uh, I'm not a hospital guy. I'm not. Thank God, at this stage, I've not been in the hospital uh, for anything ever. Uh, and uh, I'm just not good with hospitals. Uh, I respect the extraordinary work they do, but I'm just not good with it. And so I was visiting somebody in the hospital, and I always keep sort of one eye shut and my, you know, my uh, run a temperature going to visit somebody because I'm always panicked. And I saw, as I walked past a room, I saw a, uh, uh, a young child watching a film on a DVD player, fumbling with it on his chest, obviously not well. And I said to myself, why should a, a child not have an opportunity to escape into the world of film just because they're in a hospital? And I thought about this for a day, and I contacted a, a wonderful woman named Mary Jo Haddad, who ran the Sick Kids Hospital. And I said, I have, I, you don't know who I am, Miss Haddad, but I have an idea. I want to build a movie theater inside your hospital. It'll be a movie theater, state-of-the-art, 400 seats, and be there for kids so that they can escape to the world of, of movies uh, while they're in the hospital for treatments. And she said, oh, my God, it's incredible. And I said, and you've got 48 hours to let me know if we can do it or not. And she goes, well, why 48 hours? I said, because I, I'm going to move on to another idea. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be subjected to red tape and bureaucracy and, you know, the usual stuff that you'd find in an institution. I, I just can't work within those um, guidelines. It's not me. She came back and she said, 48 hours later, she said, Go. Uh, but you have to use a raw space that we have, which was an old lect- lecture hall. And we went in, uh, and through the help of uh, wonderful friends and incredible people uh, uh, like uh, uh, John and Myrna Daniels, and John who came from Cadillac Fairview and Daniels Corporation, and his amazing wife Myrna, and um, Phil and Peggy Deswerick, other Toronto philanthropists who helped me build the what we call now call the Daniels Hollywood Theater at Sickett's Hospital, and we opened it. Uh, um, with uh, Shrek 2, which uh, um, Katzenberg gave us, Jeffrey Katzenberg gave us the film, and you saw and you saw kids who came into that hospital who were would not were not going to be with us a year later after seeing the film, and and the objective was to ensure that there's a place for kids to go and see films, and I'll never uh, I'll never forget that day, great day, and uh, these are you know these are ideas that run through someone's head everyone can be philanthropic it's not about money it's about time and it's uh it's about passion uh 
It, it's um, I, I really um, I wish a lot of people would be more like you, Barry. Um, well, there's some the, that uh, would prefer not to be. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the world you live in. The yeah, good and the bad. You know what? Uh, with the type of work that you do, and um, you know, you 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 make friends and enemies uh, at the, at the same time. But um, and, yeah. and and that's okay. It's um, uh, because the 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 great at the end in the end uh, the the great work um, does prevail and you've been able to do that um, Barry it's in in the I, I mentioned before that um, um, I wanted you to come on the show while the festival was on and you were just too busy um, doing doing the things that you do um, but uh, I want you to, to tell the, the story it kind of draws everything together of um, your your last film uh, uh, your the documentary it's called The Man Who Shot Hollywood mm. and you, you had a, a presentation with some of the, the the photographs and so on that I found extraordinary um, how did you uh, uh, get into to making this this film because it, it's not I don't think it's even out yet um, but um, help us just you know we've spoken about your past and what you've done and so on this is taking us current and bringing us into the future a little yeah, bit yeah I, 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 the, the Man Who Shot Hollywood is a short documentary uh, it's a poem uh, really uh, and it's an homage to a, a man that no one's ever heard of who lived in the in the shadows in Hollywood swept the floors at studios and and who uh, walked around Hollywood in the 30s 40s and 50s taking candid photographs of the biggest Hollywood stars ever everybody from Cary Grant to Henry Fonda to Groucho Marx to Gloria Swanson, everyone. He shot everyone, and everyone trusted him, and they were unposed, candid photographs. And I sort of found him in a nursing home in L.A. by chance, very lucky, doing another film, saw his work on the walls and asked him who took it. He said he did and pulled out a, a box of 400 negatives uh, that the world had never seen. And so the purpose of, of the man who shot Hollywood making the film was to expose this man since left us at the age of 89 and I made him a promise that I would make sure the world saw his his photography. So I'm very excited about that. Air Canada's come on as a partner. You're, you're going to be able to see the the photographs in some of their lounges around the world, and uh, um, and hopefully the film will get out there. But uh, it's a you know another little sort of touching moment for me. It's uh, thanks for sharing that with us because I found that you know it doesn't have to be a, a, a big um, or a lengthy film. Sometimes these things are you know they they hit to, they hit home and they they get to the point uh, with a with a documentary some uh, such as that. I um I, the the I was so intrigued with the the photography mm. by by this gentleman um, and and um, you know hopefully that he can be exposed and the world can see so. his. His, his work because so. it was um, it was uh, something that uh, was was very very intriguing so um, Barry your your vice you know I'm always talking to you about the, the we mentioned it briefly we didn't say what it was but you're a candy guy you know you 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 seem to, to stay on track until you you see uh, uh, some candies in front of you and in your world uh, there there's always food there's always uh, uh, junk there's always candies and I just want to draw everything back together and, and, and get you, you know, how, how, uh, uh, what, what's your favorite candy and what, what is the, the thing that takes you off track a little bit? 
First of all, I, the, the fact that you bring it up without even asking is like the most obnoxious thing. It's none of anyone's <laughs> business, uh, but that's that's what you're about. Um, an intrusive yenta uh, uh, um, is, is what you are. Um, my vice is candy, but it's not candy in some universal sense of as long as there's candy, I'm going to eat it. Uh, it's it's about uh, anything chewy. So it's it's... And it's not gummy bears and it's not jelly beans, although if they're there, I might have them. But it's not what I, I – I, um, there's one particular thing and it's wine gums, British wine gums. I can eat them all day long, bowls of them. The worst thing that Toronto's ever done is opened up bulk barns because of it, it, this bulk barn concept. There isn't a bulk barn. I swear to God, there isn't a bulk barn that I haven't been in in Toronto. So if I have a meeting on, on Bloor, there's a bulk barn, I go. If there was a bulk barn on College Street near the studio on the way back to my office, I would go in. And I get very little. And what I do is I buy a bag of, of, of um, wine gums in the bulk wine gums. Maybe there could be 30 in them that in there. And I eat 10 and I throw the bag in the garbage. So that's my thing. It's stupid and wasteful, but it's how I control the uh, content, uh, the in, the intake rather, and I will go. I'll be honest with you. I will go days where I I have that taste of that wine gum, and I'll eat them three days in a row, and then I'll be off for two weeks and whatever. And there's been time where I'll be off of them for a year, uh, and then reality kicks in. But that's my vice: wine gums, licorice, you know, anything chewy. Yeah, you know. I, I I've I've also been out to dinner with you several times where uh, he. The, the guy he really he eats well and he he doesn't uh, he doesn't deviate so the reason why I brought up the, the his 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 vice his one vice is uh, to to let you understand that uh, again the the normalcy if you can ever use that that word to describe Barry Average no. um, <laughs> it probably won't ever be mentioned in the same uh, breath again but um, that he does find time to 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 work out he does find time to give back he does find time to indulge uh, and yet with all uh, all of these things uh, he produces great films he 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 um, he he works incredibly hard and um, he finds a way to make fitness a, a priority in his life so yes I do uh, Barry I want to thank you for coming on to the art of wellness my uh, pleasure with me it um, it was a pleasure having you I will and, now uh, walk down the 14 flights and I want to say to anybody who <laughs> Tony invites to be on this show, uh, you know, bring a, a hydraulic lift to get here, uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, survive. Uh, Barry, thank you for for doing this. I really appreciate it. You got and, it. anything uh, anything for you, Tony? Thank you, Barry. Bye bye, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into the Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. We'll see you next week.